you're having a meeting in your office. Some random dude comes into the office and draws a big dildo on the on the whiteboard. <laughs> you're listening to the Snob OS podcast, the podcast for Apple snobs. Hey, this is Nika Monford, a.k.a. Tech Savvy Diva. Yo, this is Terrence Gaines, a.k.a. Brother Tech. And you're listening to the Snob West Podcast, the podcast for Apple snobs, where we talk all things Apple and then some. And we're back. Yeah, week two of our <laughs> remote show. How are things going for you so far? Uh, not too bad. It's been a pretty, you know, hectic week at work. You know, I think, you know. It's finally everybody's finally settling into the new normal. So it's really just, you know, keeping track of, you know, the days and nights and everything is all kind of running together. So just trying to break up the day so it like seems like a new day. But other than that, I uh, can't complain too bad. How about you? The same more the same, you know, just here trying to. Make sure the kids get their learn on while we, you know, do our work, you know, making sure they are not just goofing off all day. So uh, luckily, our uh, county is pretty technologically advanced. So they've got Zoom set up and surprisingly, we'll talk about that a little bit later. But, you know, they're doing Zoom meetings with their teachers. They've got Microsoft Teams and all this other technology. So my only complaint is um, every teacher Especially it's for different. my, yeah, especially for my 12 year old who's in middle school, they kind of all use it a little bit differently. So, uh, all of the information doesn't pipe into one place, you know, uh, luckily my oldest, she can handle it, but you know, I can see some, some, how some other kids can kind of easily get confused because, you know, with Microsoft teams is supposed to be this all in one, uh, platform to where you can send messages, especially for they've got a specific teams for mm-hmm. students or teams for education. I can't remember the exact one, but, you know, they've got tabs for assignments. You know, all the different classes can have their own notebooks. So the, the only issue with that is one teacher will use the team's chat to upload all of the assignments. Another teacher will use the notebook, you know, go go look in the one note for the class to find out what the assignments are. Maybe mm-hmm. another teacher will send an email and then maybe another teacher will still use kind of like the old, not old, but the, what they were using previous to the shelter in place was the, there's an uh, education platform called Edmodo, which is mm-hmm. kind of how they were chatting back and forth. So one teacher will kind of still stick to that. So, you know, trying to figure out on a daily basis, I could see how, you know, other kids or even other parents for that matter could kind of get uh, confused, you know, and then not kind of be able to follow along. So it's going to take a learning curve, but luckily my daughter, she's pretty tech savvy with all this stuff. So I'm pretty proud of her for that. And so my youngest daughter, um, they're using, they're just now starting to get on team. She's in what fourth grade. So -hmm. they're actually, you know, in fourth grade, mind you, they are starting to use yeah Microsoft teams and she has to use OneDrive and Microsoft word to upload her documents. But even still, uh, the same kind of problem persists. You know, they are aren't they don't have the full library of all Microsoft Teams, so some of the stuff is kind of restricted, and they don't use some of the stuff. So, um, the teachers always sending us emails, and all <laughs> with all the fifty million thousand emails we're getting, you know, we have to kind of relay 
some of the uh, information to my daughter. And then in addition to that, you know, they're doing the Zoom video. So they have to all that to say all that to say, you know, it'd be nice if there was some consistency as to how you use the technology. It's out there. They're using it, but they just need to be a little bit more consistent as to, you know, where the information goes to make it easier on the kids and the parents and the teachers for that matter, you know, because, you know, different schools do different things, different superintendents, you know, and mm-hmm. I don't know if they are doing I'm I, I'm pretty sure they're not have done any sort of like mass sit down. Here's how we're going to do it for the teachers. They was like, here, have your kids sign up for teams and then figure it out. You know, some teachers are doing the best they can. But at the same time, you know, everybody's just learning on the go. Yeah, it's all pretty reactionary, I think, across, you know, all different, you know, sectors, because people are just trying to to figure out how is this going to work in addition to just dealing with just the stress of of all of the the other things. And, you know, it's really great when you have like school systems that are able to keep up. Um, It's just, you know, there are so many, you know, that aren't. So that's where. You know, the concern comes in is, you know, making sure that, you know, it just shows another, you know, honestly, just another, it just exposes another area of the digital divide where, you know, it's either you have it or you don't. And it's not a whole lot of, you know, in between. Yeah, you know, exactly. So um, I was doing a trying to do a quick search because you brought up something about how, you know, digital divide. And I remember seeing I have to do a do a little bit more research, but I remember seeing how uh, Georgia students specifically, I don't know how it is, you know, in any other states, but I think they are. There is a way for parents to request that their uh, kids, if they don't have some sort of electronic device bigger than a smartphone, like a tablet or like a, mm-hmm. um, a Chromebook, I think there is a way for those parents to request a device be sent. So I'm going to have to do a little bit more research for that. But yeah, you you bring up a good point. The fact that, you know, we're blessed, you know, personally to um, have the technology available, you know, but that may not always be the case, you know, and that's a new, new issue that people overlook. That's a, could be a big big issue because I don't see this changing no time soon. Yeah. And especially with now with, um, you know, now we'll talk about it later, but you know, kids it's looking like none of the kids are going back to school you know before the fall at the at the minimum at the minimum so everybody is pretty much you know for the next what i think school normally gets out you know down south at least like late uh may so they have you know at least you know another two months you know under this and so it just comes to to me i just start kind of trying to think of head ahead of What's it going to look like when the kids do go back to school, if they go back to school in the fall, like the gaps when they're already, I'm sure some kids were struggling before, you know, what are, how big is the gap going to be for kids who had, you know, access to, to kids who don't like, it's going to be an even bigger gap, learning gap in between, you know, the quote unquote have and have not. So I know that um, I was reading an article on the AJC this morning talking about um, a school that was newly, well, I think it was created in 2018, 2019, and it took the two worst performing schools in um, the city of Atlanta and merged them into one. Uh-huh. And I think one school, it was an elementary school, and one school was, um, before they merged, they had like a 3% 
of the third graders with a reading proficiency rate and the other school had like a 13 point something proficiency rate. And so it was in those two schools were in like the poorest of poor areas in Atlanta and they were already, you know, having issues with not just, you know, the learning, but, you know, when you're in those environments, you know, there are other extenuating circumstances and distractions learning and distractions and they're not going to have you know those type of things but they did like you said they had like the whole the tablet pickup thing where you could come and pick up a tablet but if you're already in you know dire situations are you really going to have the time especially for little kids like elementary school are the parents really going to be able to have time to go to the school and pick up the devices figure out how to use the devices, tell the kids how to use the devices. It's just, it's just really, honestly, it's just really sad with, you know, like I said, it just exposes uh, a bigger underbelly of, of the, the digital divide. Yeah. And I can imagine because, you know, even as technology, as technologically savvy as we are as a family, you know, we, we as parents still have to have time to sit with them, answer any questions, make sure they're okay you know, luckily, again, we're very blessed to be able to still have jobs and to still have jobs that will enable us to work from home, you know, but that ain't always the case. So even if, you know, you've got some uh, underserved, underprivileged areas who can maybe get a hold of one of these tablets, you know, like you said, be able to get them, you know, be able to set them up. Then you have to have the ability to make sure that they know what they're doing. And I can imagine a lot of parents like us are busy all day long answering phone calls, you know, taking meetings, doing work. You know, even though we're at home, we're busy, eyes glued to, you know, computer monitors. So even Mm -hmm. in our cases, we may not always be there to answer all the simple questions versus a dedicated teacher that their whole job and their whole point is to sit there and make sure the kids are taken care of. So you can so you can imagine how uh, multiplied that is, you know, to where somebody is struggling or has to go to work, you know, even though, you know, they're stay at home, there are some essential places, you know, where you still have to go to work. You know, I can yeah. imagine being in the healthcare industry, you know, and then having kids working from home, that's, <laughs> or, you know, going to school from home. So I can imagine how this is, like you said, just exposing a lot, but at the same time, you know, uh, this may be the new normal, I don't see, you know, maybe schools going forward may adopt this. You know, maybe we're forced to, you know, help those underserving areas because I don't see this, you know, even though they may lift the shelter in place, you know, going forward, you know, technology, how we interact, how we do things, how we get things done. I think it's going to be changed, good or bad. So I think we had to get right or get left. And this is the new normal. Um, I can't see us coming out of this going back to the way, you know, it, it it's not going to be business as usual after this. Right. So, you know, I, I think it's, it's good and it's bad at the, it's, I won't say bad. It's just unfortunate, you know, in some cases, but I think this is just really like a cultural reset. We are resetting the way we work, the way we go to school, the way we live with this whole world crisis. So it's just going to, you know, people, we're just having to learn to adapt, honestly, on the fly. So, so yeah, so it's, it's, it should be interesting and, you know, to see how, how this, you know, plays out going forward. Yep. Absolutely. So, 
All right, so let's get into the show. Let's start with the lowdown where we talk all things Apple. All right, we have a few stories on tap uh, this week to talk about in the lowdown. Let's start with the iPhone 9. Um, So it looks like we have a potential could be possible release date. I think um, uh, we were initially expecting the announcement to um come out i think on the 22nd of april but that looks like it's it's shifted up um so i assumed that the iphone 9 was going to be announced in september with the other i guess iphone 12 i guess it would be so get get a little bit of backstory for those that haven't been listening the iphone 9 is rumored to be the smaller more affordable iphone that is the successor to the iphone se2 um, <clears throat> this is going to be the, again, like the less, expi- less expensive phone, a little bit smaller, so on and so forth. Uh, they haven't launched one in a while. So rumors for the past couple years have been, uh, pointed at this iPhone nine. Well, it looks like, um, there was a user who submitted a screenshot of inventory from a big box retail store that shows a iPhone case. That is compatible with the iPhone 6, the iPhone 7, the iPhone 8, and the iPhone 9 that's going to go on sale for $29.99. So, of course, people are doing their conspiracy theory slash sleuthing and have deduced that sometime in April, like Nika mentioned on the 22nd, that the iPhone 9 is going to be announced. Again, it'll be curious to see how they announce it, how they launch it amongst this whole pandemic that we're going through on right now but it'd be it's it's cool to see that um something might actually happen you know like i said when it gets close to iphone releases one of the things that uh these journalists and detectives and sleuths <laughs> they hone in on is the accessories you know apple might be tight-lipped about when they launch things but the third-party resellers the the accessories manufacturers and retailers are not as tight-lipped. So if you want to see when an iPhone might be announced, see when the accessories are going to be announced. And that'll kind of give you a two plus two equals four. So I think that's what they're doing here. But it'd be interesting, like I said, to see how this is going to work amid all of the coronavirus. You know, is it going to be all online since no, all the Apple stores are closed because the malls are closed, so on and so forth. It'll be interesting to see how this works. Yeah, and, you know, a full six months before, you know, we typically expect an announcement Uh, That's I don't know if that was already in the works prior to everything with Corona or if this is just a surprising, you know, um, a surprising surprise, a a surprising surprise, a surprising (laughs) surprise. I'm like, my brain had a. Had a kerfunkle, <laughs> but an unexpected surprise. But isn't that the same thing? I don't know. Anyway, whatever. That was something before we wanted to. It could be an, an effect of all of this going on with Corona that we may be getting this new, cheaper iPhone 9 earlier. But I find it interesting because um, they just announced today that uh, unemployment went up another three million, three and a half million mm-hmm. people that people are applying for unemployment. So I'm not sure how much money is going to be around for. for well, y- this. you're I'm absolutely right there and people are going to use their 
if they get their twelve hundred dollars from the government, if right. they're gonna use that to buy a phone. Well that no, that is definitely interesting. We'll see if Apple has the juice like we have seen them have in the past to where mm-hmm. people buy these things regardless of what conditions, when, where, how, who, why. So with this whole pandemic and you know, people losing their, like you mentioned, people losing their jobs. It'd be in, <laughs> that. That's a good point. That's a good point to see if Apple still has a juice like that. But I can see on the Apple side, it's like, look, uh, we might as well just put it out there, see if we can get all the money we possibly can. Of course, Apple is one of those companies that you can't fathom the fact that, hey, <laughs> they need more money, but their business, just like everybody else. It's like, yeah. you know what? We got to get our products out there and maybe it may be a slow burn. You know, maybe it may not be. You know, they may not do gangbuster numbers, you know, out the first weekend, out the first week, but maybe, you know, between the uh, month of April, May, June, hopefully when this whole pandemic starts to, you know, flatten the curve, as they say, maybe Mm -hmm. then between now and September, they'll have nice numbers up to the announcement and launch of the, you know, the iPhone, I guess 12, I guess is what it'll be. Yeah. And, I, you know, Apple's really taking a huge gamble because it could be one of those PR disasters where right. it comes back. See, Apple isn't as great as they thought oh, they were. Or they're just greedy. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that too. So it's a couple of different ways this thing can, can kind of fly. So, uh, yikes. Right. <laughs> we'll see. <laughs> we'll see. All right. Speaking of COVID-19 and Apple, um, it looks like Apple has launched a new uh, COVID-19 screening and website. So, um, of course, we'll put everything uh, in the link uh, in the show notes. But um, today, um, what is today? Uh, This was back in the end of March. Right. um, That article that we're reading from the Verg. Um, Apple launched a, a new website and app. Um, that's uh, that's dedicated to COVID-19 screening. So it's just a, a resource, an online tool that allows you to log in and and go through screening. It's done with um, in collaboration with the CDC, and FEMA, and the White House. Look yep. at that. Yep. What was cool, I thought was cool about it is you can actually ask Siri. You know, uh, let me find it. It's uh, you can you can say uh, Siri. Where is that? Uh, yeah, here it is. In addition to these tools, you can also now ask Siri, how do I know if I have coronavirus and Siri? And it'll pull up the. Yeah, it'll it'll respond to a few screening questions and then point you toward information from the CDC and also uh, points you to this new screening app. So I think that's cool. You know, something simple. Well, I mean, well, I'm underestimating how simple it is, but as far as some of the things that Apple's done, this is a, 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 a simple way for companies as big as Apple to be able to help people out, you know, something as simple right. as being able to uh, fill out a form, ask a couple questions and then point you in the right direction. Cause I think that's the whole, that's pretty much all it does. It doesn't really give you um, any, it, it takes you through the steps of, it asks you questions, you know, is it for you, is it for someone else? They go through your symptoms and you kind of do like a little checkoff. And at the end of it, the the screening result, results, it tells you if you need, a, if you could possibly need a test. I think they're walking a fine line. I'm not saying, yes, you need a test. And you take your iPhone and say, see, Apple told me I need the test. They're walking a, a very fine line to say, okay, these are just guidelines. We're just saying you may need to take a test, but Apple isn't giving you direct advice on 
where to get tested because we all know tests are very limited. Um, We don't necessarily know where to go to get them. And the tool just merely says you may want to quote talk to someone about testing. So it's keeping the divide of, yes, we're providing the service, but we aren't medical professionals and we don't have the authority to tell you that you have to get a test. We're just giving you broad strokes on, on how you need to, to handle it. But they also include if you're having, you know, extreme uh, uh, symptoms like uh, difficult breathing or, or anything like that to go ahead and call 911 immediately. But it's a very fine line of them saying, okay, we're not doctors. We're just telling you based on what the CDC says, you may want to go and get this checked out. Right, right. And the cool thing about it is that at the at the at the most or at the least, uh, it'll give you a starting point and give you a little bit of reassurance, because, of course, you know, trying to call somebody off the jump, you know, maybe phone lines may be tied up, you know, going to the emergency room. If you think you feel like it, right, that'll jam up all the small uh, resources to hospitals, emergency rooms, and medical professionals already have. So to be able to have a starting place and then go from there, uh, I think it's pretty reassuring to say the least is what I was trying to go for. And in addition to that, uh, Apple is not sharing your information with the CDC without your permission. So if uh, you are concerned about, you know, uh, Apple asking you some questions that you may or may not want to share, you know, maybe pre-existing conditions, maybe any other sort of health things that you want to keep private, you know, you, of course, Apple is one of those, you know, cavaliers that says, you know, we will not share your data. So with this COVID-19 screening tool, Apple is not sharing your data without your permission. Yep. That's always, that's always, you know, good to have. And in the background and Apple is keeping in accordance with their standards already with that, because again, we, as we've said before, you know, data is king, data rules the world. And there's there's some information about your health and wellness that you you don't want anybody to to share with anybody else. So I think, you know, it's a good for way for Apple to to be able to provide something. And I think what a lot of people in this country are looking for is reassurance yep. and, you know, a level of comfort just to just information that is is solid and in one place, because I know I was looking earlier today trying to find out, you know, what is this? the the new shelter in place what does that exactly cover because for Georgia it was like a hodgepodge kind of thing where different municipalities had different rules and it was kind of all over the place and I said today I was talking to some friends I was like you know there's no central location for for any of this right. and so I just think it's great that there's a tool that's a central location of if you need to to assess your your um your symptoms this is where you can go and then they'll point you to you know where to go from there. Where, where to go. And mm-hmm. you know that this is done in conjunction with CDC, FEMA, and the White House. So you can have some semblance of of comfort knowing that this is coming from the highest levels of the government. So, yep. So, yeah. Absolutely. All right. Yep. So let's get into the last article, which is um, Spotify now works on Siri and uh, works with Siri on Apple Watch. And it looks like the link that we have in there is not the right one. Well, let me get you the right one. So while I do that, basically okay. what it, basically what it's saying is you can use Siri and uh, fire up um, 
playlists and music from Spotify. So this is kind of going into the whole thing to where, you know, a lot of people don't like the fact that Apple forces you to use their own things. Well, now, you know, they're kind of opening it up to third party. I see it now. Yeah. To where um, you can actually say, hey, Siri, on your watch and uh, say, play whatever playlist from Spotify. So it doesn't have to be, you know, the Apple watch. I mean, I'm sorry, uh, Apple music that you're getting your information of where you're getting your music playlist from on your Apple watch. So, you now can that's all you can just use Siri and call it calling some commands from Siri and get them from Spotify. Yeah. Cause I know I'm, I mainly use um, Spotify and you know, there's the, they have the, the app version, um, the Apple watch version of it, but you know, you can't, like you said before, you couldn't just use Siri to open it. You have to kind of go through and find it on the watch move around a little screen and, and select it and, and go forward. So that's pretty dope. That's a, a new way to make life a little bit easier when it comes to, to your music. Yeah. I think it's also Apple conceding that everybody ain't using Apple music. So it's like, we might as well finally get around <laughs> to opening it up. So we actually have choices. Okay, fine. If you're right. not going to use ours, I guess we can give you, let you use the, one of the biggest uh, streaming music tools. Right. So, so yeah, they're finally doing that with the, I think that came in with the, um, with the latest um, OS um, update that we talked about last week. Um, yep. What was this? 13.4. Yeah. And uh, watch OS 6.2. So yeah, cool. All right. So I think that's it this week for the lowdown. Let's head on over to second stream. Second stream where we talk all things, other tech so let's start with the first uh thing i we we've already kind of alluded to it with zoom everyone's using zoom or skype or these different tools to to make sure that we connect and collaborate one of the underbellies that is the shady underbelly of this new normal that we're living in is that people will always find a way (laughs) to be racist or harass people or just so janky now, just janky in general just 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 rude <laughs> for for no apparent reason just to put a wrinkle in someone someone else's already busy day so um right now there there's something happening called zoom bombing where when you log into your meeting for zoom people can just jump in and just interrupt your meeting it's like it's like walking having a meeting in your office someone coming into the room and just start having a, a random just start talking about something that's not even related and i'm supposed to be there right. so that's the form of interrupting someone's meeting is is zoom bombing where right yep. where people are coming in just breaking into your meeting yep and basically what's happening uh is that zoom a lot of people are just flocking to Zoom. Same yep. analogy with going back to the what we talked about at the top of the show where my kids, you know, the teachers are just giving these tools and go figure it out. Right. With this whole, you know, shelter in place, a lot of people have resulted to, you know, doing meetings online, so on and so forth. And they're just doing them. You know, you're not learning about how the system works. You're not learning about the security policies. So what I think is happening is they are People are publishing Zoom links to meetings in public. Mm -hmm. So you'll say, you know, on Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn specifically is where a lot of people are doing it is they'll say, hey, I'm having a webinar. 
how you can stay active during coronavirus or whatever. Join my Zoom link and they'll publish that Zoom meeting and it's public. So, of course, people see anything public. Like you mentioned, it's the equivalent and I'll be a little bit more more (laughs) nasty, which is what people are doing. It's like you're having a meeting in your office. Some random dude comes into the office and draws a big dildo on the on the whiteboard. (laughs) (laughs) That's pretty much what people are doing. So, you know, and then, of course, you know, uh, bless their hearts. People are not familiar with technology. You know, people are coming in and just taking over the uh, presentation and writing pornographic and racist and hate language in the chats, you know, to where these people are calling FBI and like the FBI is receiving these multiple reports. So it's not just a random thing. It's like, of course, like you mentioned, people are always going to find a way to mess something up. So this is like a big thing to where Zoom actually has taken a lot of heat as far as IT security. You know, we haven't I didn't add it in the notes, but, you know, uh, 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 what's the NASA and uh, uh, Tesla, uh, Elon Musk's, um, what's their space thing? SpaceX. That's what SpaceX. I can think. Yeah. They have gone as far to say, yeah, we're not using that for our company. Even so much so to where Zoom was the darling of the whole financial sector with their stock market skyrocketing because this whole thing, this has been such a big issue to where their actual stock price is starting to fall. Mm-hmm. I mean, it, it in February jumped up. And then all of these security policies have started to uncover themselves to where they actually starting to dip in their stock market. So, of course, the, you know, Zoom uh, CEO said our bad, you know, we should have been we should have been uh, more forthright with how we do our security, you know, with this Zoom bombing thing. You know, we should have prepared people, show people how to use it, been a little bit more um, educational, how you use the, the, use the platform successfully. You know, there was a story that I read to where zoom was data mining people's information from LinkedIn, you know, so this whole, again, like you said, learn on the go, you know, you would expect this company to, you know, have this stuff tied down, but with the, the, just did the influx of people. Exactly. Just, exactly. Everything is just reactionary. And they probably never had any of these issues prior to this. Right. Because even though so many people used the tool mm-hmm. and it was very popular in sectors, now it's global. Right. Everybody knows about Zoom. That's all you hear about. Zoom this, Zoom that, Zoom, 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 Zoom. Mm-hmm. And now people are, some people are just rude and just not nice people and they will find a way to go in and be a-holes. Yep. Like I know one of the articles I read, I think it was today or yesterday regarding the zoom uh, bombing. Um, one was on, I think it was UT Austin or it was one of, uh, one of the universities in Texas. I think it was UT Austin. It was a black men's group. You know, it's kind of like a support group. They get together and talk and, you know, talk about what black men talk about mm-hmm. and people, were jumping in on it being racist and you know just disgusting the same thing with um they were having a, a synagogue they were having church online and then someone jumped into their their zoom and started spewing you know uh, anti-semitic hateful you know xenophobic things towards them and it's just like what i saw in the article was they were like yes we know this is bad here are some things you can do um Make your, you know, make it private, Uh have a password set for your meeting, have, um, 
make sure that when you set up the meeting, you just don't go with the default. You may have to change some things. Right. Allow hosts to let people in. Have a, yeah, a get a, or yeah, lobby. Get a moderator, somebody yeah. that can monitor that stuff. Because I, I can imagine you just so focused on giving your presentation or doing your webinar, your presentation, whatever you're doing and not really watching the chat. So you've gone 30, 40 minutes, you know, however, however long your meeting is. And then once you're done, you go back <laughs> and you are flabbergasted as all the conversations going on to, in the chat. So like you mentioned, things as simple as having a waiting room so you can kind of vet people having a moderator. So while you're doing the presentation, there is somebody specifically designated to monitor the chat. So if there's anything it does sneak through, they can go ahead and quickly delete it. So yeah. on and so forth. But I think the number one thing I wouldn't suggest doing is making the zoom link public, share it, yeah. share it with your groups, but just don't, Post it, post it on social media, you know, uh, uh, put up a registration page. I think a lot of the people that I know who do webinars via Zoom, you actually have to fill out a form in order to yep. then get the link. Right. So just, you know, have some sort of paywall, have some sort of, you know, uh, some sort of barrier. Make force people have to work for it. If they're going to come in and and disrupt your meeting, make right. them, you know, work for it and also get their information. Because I know I joined one last um, Sunday and it was a whole thing where you had to go in, you had to fill out a form. Um, I saw it on Twitter and you had to fill out a form and, you know, ask a question and all this kind of stuff. And then after they quote unquote pre-screened you, mm -hmm. then they sent you the link after that just to make sure you just weren't, you know, just anybody just trying to, you know, come in and, and cause problems. So, you know, I think in this age, we've already had to be very diligent in the way that we handle, um, you know, our 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 day to day interactions. It's just one of those things that's now a part of the new normal is that you just have to take you just have to have hyper care. Yep. When you're doing things online, publishing links, we know that, you know, you want to get it out there. You want to make sure everybody still stays engaged and all that good stuff. But at the same time, you still have to have to follow some of the the basic safety safety features. It's like you wouldn't, you know, have your your company, most companies in order to get into them or get, you know, behind the reception or lobby or whatever you have right. to swipe the badge you wouldn't just take all of that out for your company so anybody could come in you have to kind of take that whole same thought process over to the digital space where you yep. have to make sure you have safety procedures and protocols to protect you know your your team members employees friends family whomever you're doing any type of interaction with you just have to make sure that you have those those safety measures in place even though you know, we're in a, in a, in a, on a digital platform pretty for the most part now. Yep. Yep. Just don't accept the defaults and just do a little bit more research, you know, just do a little, just a little bit more vetting, you know, just yep. don't put it out there for every and anybody because every and anybody <laughs> will see it. <laughs> yes. They will be out there waiting to pounce mm -hmm. because one, what else they got to do? Right. And if they're already predispositioned just to be jerks, then they're going to do it. If they're a jerk in person, they're going to be a jerk online. Right. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> All right. So let's go on over to talk about our faves, right? Facebook. So uh, Facebook Messenger um, now has um, a Mac and Windows app. So if you want to use Facebook Messenger, not on your phone, there's an app for that. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, I just put it in there because I mean, it's 
regardless of how much <laughs> crap we give Facebook, right? right. <laughs> everybody, <laughs> right? Everybody and a mama uses Facebook. So there are specific times to where I can only reach out to certain family members via Facebook. So, you know, definitely, you know, you want to make sure to have your same thing with Zoom. You know, you want to make sure you have your security locked down on Facebook. One of the things I suggest is don't use your phone number within Facebook. You can don't Facebook will lead you to believe they need your phone number for something. They don't. They don't need it. <laughs> so uh, same they thing. They just with, want the information. They just want the information. So, of course, they're going to do whatever with your data. So some, some one of the small things I mentioned, like I said, is to you don't need your Facebook to use Facebook or Facebook Messenger. Have, you know, use a strong password, so on and so forth. But if you go through all that, again, one of the easiest, quickest ways to message just about anybody is to use Facebook, therefore Facebook Messenger, because everybody's on there. So uh, Facebook, uh, Windows and Apple are just making it a little bit easier, a little bit easier for people to reach out if they're on their computers all day, which we all are because all are. most of us are working <laughs> from home now. So the ability to pull up Facebook Messenger on your laptop or desktop is probably a little bit more convenient now because you're looking at it versus just looking down on your phone. On your phone. Right. Yep. Yep. So, yeah, so that's just a new way, just another way that these um, these tech companies are finding ways to to make it a little easier to navigate this current crisis. All right. So I think that's it for second string this week. Let's head over to For the Culture, where we talk about whatever it is we want to talk about, whether <laughs> right. it be technology, whether it be social commentary, whatever the case may be, we get to talk about it. And this week, um, as of yesterday, finally, the governor of Georgia has put a shelter in place order for Georgia. Um, I think we've alluded to before different counties and different municipalities had their own, um, you know, plans in place because we didn't have a statewide um, uh, moratorium on, on how to proceed. And that caused a lot of issues because regardless, depending on what county you moved in and in Metro Atlanta, it's easy to navigate between the cab and Fulton and Cobb. It's all one big hodgepodge of, of hitting multiple locales mm -hmm. and each locale having a different set of rules. So now finally the, the governor of Georgia, Brian Kemp, who stole the election from Stacey Abrams. But, <laughs> <laughs> Nevertheless, he finally um, put a shelter in place order for the state of Georgia. Now, most of Metro Atlanta was already under this, so it doesn't really uh, change a lot for um, some of the bigger counties in Metro Atlanta. But now it's statewide, so everybody has to do it. It's yep. not just, you know, Metro Atlanta, um, even though there was a, a county shoot. I think it was what was it coming who the 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 mayor put an order in place, then people got mad and he rescinded it because he was like people didn't like it. Yeah. So there's a couple things going on. Right. Um, my I have my two conspiracy theories as All to right, why it took so long. Right. Well, the re well, I want to get to the his reasonings for why it took him so long to actually do it. So, you know, we you put a story, all fake, but go for it. Right. So <laughs> uh, according to Kemp, Brian Kemp, his main reason for now putting the shelter in place because he had learned quote unquote new information. Right. And this new information was 
he is finding out that the virus is now transmitting before people see signs. So basically asymptomatic people, which is people who don't show signs, can actually carry and spread the virus. He's just now finding this out. 24 hours ago, he just figured this out. I don't know about you, but from the jump, BS. from the jump, I mean, as early as January or February, we knew or we were told that even though you don't have symptoms, you can spread the virus, which, in my opinion, is the whole reasoning behind social distancing in the first place. Not exactly. just for sick people to spread it, but for not people, people who are not sick to spread it. So I don't know who he was listening to or who gave Lying. him this. Yeah, right. So that was I think that was the first one. I think the second one he also mentioned was he, he didn't think it was fair because Georgia, even though we have a big metropolitan area like Atlanta, which connects all these different counties, according to him, the majority of Georgia is rural. So it wasn't fair to put this statewide uh, policy in effect. And according to him, the majority or a lot of people who are not currently affected by coronavirus would have these restrictions put on them. And like you mentioned, that ain't fair. So that was the two reasons that I've seen as to why it took Georgia so long officially. Now, unofficially, my two reasons, number one, <laughs> Florida beat us. <laughs> I think Florida jumped on it. They were late too, but they Florida finally said we're doing shelter in place. And I think Georgia didn't want to be left out by Florida of all people. And Kim finally said, okay, well, if Florida's doing it, we might as well go ahead and do it. You know, we always because we always hear about those crazy people in Florida, right? <laughs> so we you don't, don't want to be associated with the crazy in Florida. Right. And so my number two um, conspiracy theory is I think a lot of the people who voted for Brian Kemp live in these rural areas. And he looked at those people as his constituents and his constituents who live in these rural areas who may not be affected by the coronavirus. Uh, I would assume didn't want to be forced into these restrictions. You're invading my rights. Right. I don't, I, I would assume that is, I don't even believe that rural people are like, don't bother me. I still think the majority of people in the country are concerned and they're looking for their government officials for direction and right. to have Georgia, Florida, some of these late bloomers who are kind of doing it. But then, like I said, I saw a story in Florida just, you know, today that, they removed um, religious uh, gatherings as well. They added religious gatherings as one of the essential um, essential places to where people can gather. So the shelter in place is um, in effect with the exception of essential systems. I can't f forget the actual terminology, but he added churches to or religious events to the um, to that rule. So basically, again, that goes back to my other conspiracy theory about the Bible belt and a lot of the evangelical Christians uh, maybe possibly did not want these restrictions put on him, put on them. So with Florida, he said, well, we'll just remove them so people can gather at religious events, which I don't know if you've been reading or not you specifically, but in general, a lot of the cases to where the coronavirus has spread, it has spread when people gather 
at church and at other religious events. So again, it seems like they're going against what is the whole purpose of social distancing by making all these exceptions based on who their constituents, based on who's where. And like I said before, I don't think the people themselves are doing that. I think they're looking for their government officials for direction. And the fact that they're so wish-washy and not sure doesn't paint a good picture. Right. And so a couple things. One, who are the predominant people that go to church? Older people. Right. So, and we know that this is a respiratory virus. We know that it is spread through droplets in the air. When you go to church, I don't know about, I only know about black churches because that's what, you know, I go to. It's loud. It's lots of singing. It's lots of yelling. And lots of sweating. And lots of sweating. So what do those things do? They release droplets in the air to an already vulnerable group of people. So that's just dumb. Right. And there's people of, you know, it's against my, no one is against my rights. No one is saying that you can't um, assemble for purposes of religion. They're just giving you guidelines to say, let's all stay alive. Let's right. not go and meet Jesus just yet. Right. You can still meet, you can still assemble, but let's just do it this way for two weeks. Right. And before it was like two weeks. Now it's longer than that. But I'm just saying, if they could have just done this for two weeks to maybe four weeks, then we wouldn't still be here. This still wouldn't be extending out into what I'm predicting through the fall. Right. I think the reason that the governor finally made this decision is for two reasons. One, if you hear his reasoning, his reasoning is it's not fair for, you know, people who aren't sick or who don't have large populations, it's not fair for them. This is the exact same reason why the president of the United States will not do a nationwide um, shelter in place because he says in some states, it's not as bad in others. So that's the exact same reasoning that the president is using. He's Mm -hmm. been holding out because he's one of the president's puppets. So he's trying to stay on the good side of this president. (laughs) Okay. Two, just last, just earlier this week, the chief of staff to the governor of Georgia publicly said, oh, you guys are just making a bigger deal than this than it is. I think that the governor of Georgia was forced because his chief of staff and even people in their own party were like, dude, we don't. How is the governor saying we need to shelter and play? We need to social distance. We need to follow these guidelines and shut schools down. But his chief of chief of staff, his right hand person, the person whose advice he takes is saying, oh, you guys are making too big of a deal of it. It was too many rumblings. And he had to put this in place because his chief of staff essentially, you know, screwed him and out him that. He really doesn't take this too seriously because the chief of staff is saying, oh, it's not that serious. So he had to do it to quell some of the uproar that's Mm -hmm. coming from within his party and the state. And every county in the in the state of Georgia has at least one case of coronavirus. You cannot say that it doesn't affect you know, it's not affecting everybody. All you need is one person. If that one person goes to say church, 
mm-hmm. in these four areas mm-hmm. and say they infect that's the whole town. Two hundred people. That's the whole town. The, that's <laughs> in these. That's it. That, that's everybody. So you will have a pandemic, a micro. I don't know if there's a such thing as a micro pandemic, but you will have a focused flare up in this small town that doesn't even have the same resources yep. as a big city to be able to combat this. You're going to lose even more people. People are dying. Yep. It's not just old people that they were saying were at risk. I mean, that were more at risk. It's not just people with respiratory issues that they say were more at risk. There are healthy young people yep. dying yep. in droves from this thing. Medical and, professionals dying. Mm-hmm. And these poor medical people they're going, they're having to miss out being with their families. They're having to work, you know, 13, 14 hour shifts, you know, nonstop, no days off, all because people won't stay at home. Just stay home. Yep. Just sit down somewhere. Yep. Yep. Yeah. Watch some Netflix, have a snack, and just chill yeah, until yeah. this thing gets out of here. Yep. And like I said, if these uh, states in Florida and Georgia and this Bible Belt in Tennessee are concerned about what church people are doing these churches are pretty tech savvy too they can they can get on zoom and host their services at home just like everybody else and they'll probably be more than willing to do it if that's what they have to do but if if they don't yeah if they don't have to do it they'll they'll right right that's just that's that's just human condition so we talked about this last week when you talked about don't pull the fire alarm. Don't pull the fire alarm. What are people going to do? Pull the fire alarm. Right. If you give people guidelines and you say, okay, this is what it is. This is what you need to do. People will follow it. But right now, because it's so loosey goosey, they mm. finally got, it's, it's nothing across the whole country that, you know, that says, okay, everybody has to do this. People are like, well, well, this state doesn't have to do it. So why should we, you're infringing on my rights or, you know, you're you're trying to tell me what to do that. I'm an American. You can't tell me what to do. I can do whatever I want. Those type of things. And people are just finding a way to be contrarian mm-hmm. for the sake of being contrarian or they are making it. They're politicizing it. You see a lot of people. Going, oh, the Democrats are politicizing it. They're just trying to find ways to get back at Donald Trump, blah, 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 blah. But the same thing is happening on the opposite side where you have people saying, I'm a pastor. You can't tell me what to do. I have the cure. The cure is prayer. The cure is Jesus. Y'all can go and see Jesus much more sooner than you were supposed to. If you just stay home. Right. It's just it's mind boggling yeah. that people are so willing to be contrarian because they don't like we got to own the libs or whatever they call it or whatever they say. They're so willing to get these, to score these cheap points that don't mean anything. Right. In the then long rather run. Rather than trying to save their life. I mean, I don't think they realize that these are life saving. You have the top epidemiologist in the country now getting death threats. They had to had, give him 24 hour protective detail. Because people are saying they want to kill him because he's telling he's an expert in this because he's telling them how to stay alive. They're trying to kill this man. It's just it's just mind boggling. Yeah. Yeah. And again, all that, you know, you add all that up, you know, you would think that, you know, government officials would get ahead of this. And the fact that we are being like you mentioned earlier, being so reactionary is a little troubling. But it seems like, you know, as this thing People are starting to face facts and the there are some officials that are are specifically like um, out of New York Cuomo 
Cuomo, Adam, you know, he's Gavin Newsom. He's he, doing the they, job. They are telling people what it really is. And they're and like you mentioned, like you said, this thing may not be done up until the fall. I think people are finally understanding that this is not just a two week thing. This is not just a month thing. And they're finally saying, OK, let's do something about it. But we could have done this again, not to heart, you know, kick, beat a dead horse. But in January, we could have did this as early as January and possibly be on the verge or be on the plateau or be, not the plateau, be at the, the top of the curve right now, waiting mm-hmm. for it to flatten out and then reside. But now. Again, like I said, now we have to face facts and these government officials are not being nice anymore. And they're saying, look, mm-hmm. this is going to be a lot longer. It's going to be a lot harder. We're a lot ta- we're a lot more taxed and people are frustrated and people are finally saying, OK, well, now somebody's telling me some information I can wrap my head around. Now we can do something. But again, we could have been doing this a month ago. And the thing is, two weeks isn't going to work unless everybody does it. Mm-hmm. If you have half the population following the rules for the two weeks and the other half of the population not, then it's it, it's it's not gonna it's not gonna do anything. They've shown pictures of people in like LA having street parties, people having corona and chill parties, they outside on slipping slides, making drinking games. You're still around people and you don't know who's sick and who's not. You don't know who's infected with the virus and who's not. And like you said, it can be you know, transmit it asymptomatically. You can have this thing for days and not even be sick. You can have this thing the whole time and never get sick. And we and we've been knew that. So it's surprising that our government or our particular state, Georgia, did not know that. That man knew that. He just lying. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. But we beat that dead horse. We beat that enough. I think we all are aware of the political, you know, talking points and the political, you know, underside or whatever the word is that, you know, people are trying to play these games. But everybody knows people, even the people who are fighting this know the real deal. They just want to score some cheat points, try and, you know, you know, make it seem like their guy is is right and is doing a great job when everybody knows. Mm-hmm. Wanda can see that yep. that is not the case. Yep. So yeah. So yeah. All right. So let's go on over to the hookup, and let's talk making your presence count. Yeah, I think one of the things that kind of disappeared in all this, you know, uh, coronavirus is the census, and uh, a lot. Of, I saw a lot of people uh, not necessarily panicking, but asking about the deadline. And I looked it up, did a little bit of research, did some information, and they a lot of people were mentioning April 1st. April 1st is not the deadline. Of course, it's already the second. So a lot of people kind of freaked out. Uh, April 1st is not a deadline of when you can complete the census. You can still do it. It's just a reference date. And what that means is whatever your family situation is as of April 1st, that's how you, that's what you need to record in the census. So I just want to let everybody know you can still go online, which is how I just did it. You can uh, do it by phone or you can um, fill out a form and send it in via mail. 
And I just wanted everybody to don't get lost in the sauce of coronavirus. I know everybody's talking about it, but there are still some other things we got to do. And an important thing is to do the census because they take account. They find out what people are. They find out what people what's going on. So then they can adequately disperse funds for things like pandemics. So uh, definitely just my tip was just go on, go online, uh, give a call if you can get through or send that uh, census in via the mail. It takes I, I did it online. It took it took five minutes, if that month, if that long at the most, it maybe take 10 minutes if you got to look up birth dates and things of that nature of the people living in your home. But it's super simple. Get it out of the way, get it done so you can be counted so they can adequately uh, dispense and give out funds for the next, what, 10 years. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's super easy. It takes no time. I did mine yesterday and it wasn't I didn't I didn't do it because of the April 1st thing. I had been getting like the letters in the mail and I was like, whatever, whatever, I'll get around to it. And then I was like, I saw a little card on my um, on my account. I was like, let me go ahead and do this since I have time. So I did it while I was walking my dog. Oh, OK. All right. It's 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 just that simple. All right takes no time well, yep, just go ahead and get it out of the way i know you got other fifty million thousand other things going on but that's just that's a simple thing that you can distract yourself with doing the census <laughs> yep yep simple 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 all right i think that is it this week do we have any reviews or anything no, nothing going on nothing going on especially no i don't see anything okay cool all right so we were just checking to see if we got any reviews, so you can definitely rate and review us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts. We're on all of your favorite streaming sites. You can also shoot us over um, an email at snobblewestcast at gmail.com. You can follow us on the social medias. We're um, on um, sp- uh, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, all um, at snobblewestcast. Um, so definitely um, uh, rate and review us and um, listen to the show and check us out also um, at our website where you can leave comments. You can also listen to the show and leave suggestions, which is snobwestcast.com. All right. All right. That is it for this week. Yep. We'll see you guys next week. All right. Peace. Bye.